You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Let's dive into a brand new episode. Before we get started on this episode, here's a not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed here. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 25 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. Steve isn't nor does he offer any legal advice. For any legal advice, you must speak with a lawyer. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and search for author Steve Worsley. You can also take Steve's courses on Udemy or Skillshare, and you can find out more about those at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, you're listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with myself, Steve Worsley. Once again, we have my wife, Cassandra. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. Everybody that reaches out to me tells me to thank you. So um, they all probably know if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be doing this or we would have never started it. So... Anyhow, I'm glad we have it going on. People need to listen, learn, and make solid decisions. Yep. Yeah. And I, you know, we, we get people that reach out that, that want to be on the podcast and, you know, part of it, and I've addressed this before, part of it's, it takes a lot of work to post-produce it. The other part of it is, is a lot of times, and I'm not saying everybody has to agree with me, but this is all my opinion based on my experiences, my knowledge and all that. But if you have other people that are dead set on their ways, I guess, and types of testing, it makes it real difficult to bring somebody on that that doesn't quite align with our podcast. And I'm sure you do a uh, podcast all the time for your business. I'm sure it's the same way, isn't it? it? It is. And I think what's interesting about how we vet podcast, potential podcast guests is it's not that we're looking for podcast guests to agree with everything your expertise says, but we are looking for guests that align on the fact that every client is different Mm -hmm. and that their care, especially when it comes to indoor air quality and specifically mold, needs to be customized to what's going on in their home, in their lives for their needs. Exactly. Yep. And it's it's like I say all the time, mold is very complex. Uh, We hear Quite often we hear a lot of, uh, I'm going to just say negative or negativity towards the inspectors. And 
in defense of them, because I'm one of them, you know, I, I think people just think like the inspector's supposed to find everything. And we hear, well, it took three inspectors. I'm not defending bad inspectors. But on the other hand, every inspector is different. Every home is different. And the way we do things and what we're there for is totally different. Just like we talk about in this podcast. And we're going we're gonna to talk about something that, you know, I pay attention to it, but I've left mycotoxins to the medical side because that's what it is. Mycotoxins are that's what makes you sick. But we're we're learning more. I'm learning more. There's more technology coming out. So I felt that it would be advantageous for our listeners to hear what I have to say from the building side of things when it comes to mycotoxins. Which I think is good. I mean, one of the things that I love about CNC's approach to mold is that we're believers in lifelong learning. We don't believe that right now in this moment we have all the information because the information is evolving. Yep. The research is changing. And so one of the things that you do is you're always looking into what are the latest things going on in mold? What are the latest advances? What are the research findings saying? And you're learning from other experts as well. Right. Yep. And it's, you know, when it when it comes to other experts, I say this all the time. And so if any of you fellow experts are listening, there's plenty of room for all of us. There's, yep. there's no reason for us to act like, oh, you're my competitor. You're going to steal all my work. There's tons of room for all of us. This is... This is something that is not paid attention to enough. And like you said, we're trying to educate people. So just to, to backtrack a little bit, just so our listeners know, this is episode 246. And today's topic is mycotoxins and black mold. Part one, I don't know if it's going to be part one of part three or four, but we're going to do for a few weeks in a row, we're going to tackle mycotoxins. And, you know, and then if I get any questions sent to me, before next week's episode, then we can address whatever questions come up. So, sound good? Sounds good. Okay. First thing, do you know what a mycotoxin is? Toxin tells me it's toxic and it makes you sick. Yes. That's what I know. So, most people, you know, when we talk about mold, we, we have to address mycotoxins. But most people think about mycotoxins in the food. Uh, the USDA, they spend billions of dollars making sure it's not in our food but they don't pay any attention to it inside our homes or buildings, even government buildings. But what a mycotoxin is, is it's the way I word it. For you scientists out there, microbiologists, you're probably not going to like how I word it, but it's a byproduct of the mold spore itself. It is a defense mechanism that they release. So I like to compare it to snakes and then their venom. So not all molds are even capable of producing mycotoxins, but those mold types that are capable of producing them don't always produce them and release them. So that sounds pretty complex, doesn't it? Well, it sounds like the thing that when you learn enough about functional medicine, you learn that beans have lectins in them. And because plants can't run away from human beings, the way they defend themselves is when we consume those beans, they produce an off-gas like a lectin that then makes our stomachs hurt. Yep. Because that's their way of defending against us eating yeah. them. And for those, for those that like beans, I'm sure that doesn't help. Yeah, I was raised it on beans. It didn't work. Yeah. 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 Well, Haitians, that's what <laughs> Exactly. That. Rice and beans every day. <laughs> but, it, but my point is, is it didn't stop the beans, the lectins doing what they do, didn't stop you from eating beans. But understand- But that that's you, the purpose. And it changes the microbiome over time. So it's both short-term impacts of that off-gassing, 
and long-term impacts, which is why my understanding mycotoxins for people makes it so important to get what that means. Yeah, it, it, you just said something interesting. A mycotoxin, it, it, I, I don't know if I'd call it an off-gas, but, but off-gassing happens with lots of things like VOCs. If you get down to the, the nuts and the bolts of it, yeah, you can maybe call it that. But for our listeners, so that they understand, and I like to explain things in my blue-collar terms, and... To me, a mycotoxin is what's released by the mold. It's something that's totally separate. It's no different than if if a, a porcupine with its quills releases them and then it gets embedded to a dog, that's a separate thing from that porcupine. Correct. It's the same way with mold. So how do mycotoxins impact the humans who are exposed to them? Well, it's a toxin, so it, it depending on what type... It'll, it has so many negative health effects. I mean, they say, you know, because of the carcinogens in it, that, that it, what it does to your body can create cancer. It, it, it's tons of things that it can do as far as what it can do to the body. And that's why when we talk about mold sickness, that's what's causing the mold sickness is the mycotoxins. Now, there's a big difference between, you know, mycotoxins and, and mold toxicity, mold poisoning, whatever terms you want to use, there's a big difference between that and an allergy. An allergy is just your body, you know, you're sneezing, you're just, your body is allergic to that mold type. You can take a Claritin or Benadryl or whatever, and that takes care of it. With mycotoxins, that's typically, and once again, our bodies are all different. So it might affect you different than it would affect me. Mm-hmm. And it, it mostly affects the, the young children and the elderly and those with, with autoimmune disorders or if you're immunocompromised or if you have asthma, things like that. So essentially you're saying that the mold spores produce the mycotoxins. The mycotoxins are airborne, so they're floating in the air, and then they land on people, they land on furniture, where, where yeah, do they typically, land? So typically, uh, the most common place is in dust. In dust, okay. And that's why when you test for mycotoxins, that's what it is. It's a, it's a dust test. So it's not just in your body. Well, it gets into your body from, from the, the dust, dust. Okay. or whatever. So let, let's just say, for example, let's say those mycotoxins land on your dog. And you're petting your dog. You're kicking up those mycotoxins in the air. You take a breath in and you... You inhale it. it. Okay. So, which brings up a subject. There's three ways that it gets into your body. You can inhale it, which is the most common. You can eat it, which either way it's coming into your mouth probably or your nose. Or it can be absorbed through the skin. So you pick up the dust and then it gets on your fingertips and it's absorbed. Like if you're dusting. Well, you would have to have an open wound. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. For the okay. absorption. I don't, that's way out of my yeah. wheelhouse. So I don't want to lead our listeners astray. But, 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 you know, literally, if the skin is absorbing stuff, then, then. Yes. Okay. I, 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 this is just my opinion. Yeah. I would assume you'd have to have like an open wound. And this is why we're doing a whole series on this. Yes. Yeah. And it, we'll be diving further and deeper as we go along. This is the first yeah. intro episode to well, it. Well, as, as deep as I know. Yeah. I mean, my, my knowledge is very limited, but it is an important subject just mm-hmm. for our listeners to understand. And I mentioned something that I want our listeners to understand is, is that we don't know scientifically when, why, and how these mycotoxins are released. Meaning, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, they're like a snake. If, if it feels threatened, it's going to release the venom. 
That's my opinion on a mycotoxin. So we don't really know what causes mold spores to feel threatened to release the mycotoxins. Exactly. Okay. Like, like, and and we don't even know. Like, are they more prevalent if it's humid, or does that suppress them? Does a certain temperature encourage the mold spores to release the mycotoxins? Like that's stuff that I don't have a clue about. And from what I've learned and seen, I don't think that that even the scientists have a definitive, this is what causes it to release the mycotoxin. But we do know how how we can test both a home for mycotoxins and a body for mycotoxins. Correct. Okay. Yep. So for your body, and this is why I don't talk about mycotoxins that much, because as our listeners know, there's a disclaimer before every episode I'm not given medical advice. I'm not a doctor. I'm not trained in that. That's why mycotoxins, to me, for a long time, and this is just how I have looked at it, mycotoxins to me were just like, ah, that's way out of, uh, you know, my expertise because it's the medical side. And the more we're learning is is we need to know, and, and people in my profession, inspectors and mitigators, need to understand more of the mycotoxin side of things. because. I think it's something that that we haven't realized the impact that it has on people. Does that make sense? And you have to know, you know, those that are listening, you have to know what kind of testing you need for your home. And a lot of people may not know that not only do you need to test for mold, but you also need to test your home for mycotoxins. Yes, which brings up something that I want all of our listeners to understand. That is two different you're, you're talking about two different components, a mold and a mycotoxin. When we do mold testing, so when I talk about mold testing per se, that's where I'm talking about like air testing, tape lifts, swabs, bulk samples. Those go off to a lab and we do non-viable testing. So for our listeners, that means that we're not uh, taking a culture, we're not putting it on an agar dish and waiting for it to grow. We're literally taking something that is put on a, a, a slide for microscope. It goes to a lab, and then the lab identifies the mold type. When they identify the mold type, it just it's only the mold type. They're not giving us a species. Mm-hmm. So that the species, if you want to get down to the species, that's more of the ERMI testing. Yeah. Which is like a DNA test, or we call it PCR testing. My point is, is the mold testing, the stuff we do in an air test and a tape lift, that is only for mold. Mm-hmm. Because when they do PCR testing, it's a, it goes into a solution. They do put dyes in it. Like it's a, it's a whole process. It's DNA testing. Yeah. And so that goes down to the species. What we do for, for mold testing, we're only going to get what mold type it is and what the counts are, meaning how prevalent is it. Even what they're telling us, we don't even know because let's just say aspergillus, for for example, certain species of aspergillus can produce mycotoxins. And then there's certain species that we know can't. When I get a a lab report for mold testing, it's only going to say aspergillus itself. It's not going to give us a species. Does that make sense? And so... That's where the ERMI side of things comes in. You know, a lot of people uh, believe in that. We'll talk about that more in a different episode. We've already talked about it. I don't want our listeners to think I'm totally against ERMI, but I'm not that big a fan of it because, once again, all it does is a DNA. It doesn't, that's, it's not even a mycotoxin. But 
the advantage to the ermi is is you can tell if because it goes down to the species level you can tell if it's capable of producing mycotoxins does that make sense it it does it does but 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 a mycotoxin test is actually testing mycotoxins which is different right yes. it's the difference between something you're predisposed to and something you actually have yeah. so ermi is more like testing is could there be a predisposition to something else happening yeah. here. Are there mold types present that could? That like, could lead. Like, but, but to are, go back to the yeah. snake analogy, it's it's we're seeing if there's any snakes out there. Rather than actually being bitten by one. Well, certain snakes can can produce toxic venom. Correct. Or they're venomous. But but if you're in the middle of a of a desert and you know there are rattlesnakes in the desert, there's a big difference between I'm hiking in the I'm hiking up a mountain where there are rattlesnakes and I've been bitten by one. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Yep. And it's you know, the reason I'm explaining it the way I am, once again, I, I have to explain stuff so I understand it. But the the the, the the way we're testing for it, it's called an EMA test, and that's environmental mold and mycotoxin assessment. Those are two different tests. So we're doing a DNA side of it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see if it's a mold species that's capable of producing the mycotoxin. So we're testing capability. Yep. If it's capable. Yep. So, you know, there's some snakes that don't have, that's not venomous. Like a garden all. snake. Yeah, a garter snake, yeah. so anything like that. So we don't worry about that. But obviously what they're testing for are the ones that, that can produce mycotoxins. And then you actually have the mycotoxin test. Mm-hmm. We're actually seeing if if that snake, which is my analogy, released its venom. Yeah. So that clear as mud, right? Clear, clear as mud. But but again, it's this whole for those people listening who understand the idea of epigenetics. Epigenetics says we can look at your DNA and say you are predisposed to diabetes in your family, right. or your. But that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get that. The environment has an influence mm-hmm. on whether or not that particular DNA activates right so you're saying that literally you're looking at is it possible is it capable of being activated Mm -hmm. but then you're also assessing what's what's currently present that's already activated yeah right so so to 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 explain it kind of how you said it so the ermi test which is just a pcr test it's only seeing if it's capable so when you get an ermi test results back they're just saying, well, yeah, these are there, but but the the Emma test is actually the mycotoxin. It's both DNA and mycotoxin. So it's telling you both is it is it there and is it active? No, is it there or is it, were they released? Were they okay? Is, so so is think it of there about or them. Did it actually happen? So just not to get too technical into the science side of things, we're not seeing if they're alive or they're dead. Yeah. But if you think about a dandelion and it has all those little things on it, think of, of the mold spore as the dandelion itself. Then you pull it out of the ground, you blow on it, and it blows all those little things everywhere. We're seeing if you blew those little things everywhere because those are the mycotoxins. Got it. We're, we're seeing, and it's two different things we're looking at. Is it capable? So we can rule things out and say, we did a DNA test and you don't even have mm-hmm. the mold species that could do that. Correct. Does that mean that we we take that and run with it to the bank? No. no. But on the other hand, we're seeing actually if the mycotoxins are there, not if it's in capable. It's if they are presently there. Correct. And that's and mycotox 
mycotoxin testing for your home is different than the urine or blood testing that you would exactly. do to see if you have mycotoxins in your body. Yes. This is what we call an EMA test. Okay. Uh, so, so people should be doing both, correct? No? They can, yeah. So this is why it's so complicated. The lab that, that we use, the reason why they did the medical side of it for years and years. And they're like, okay, so we have the medical side of it. We can see if you have those mycotoxins in your body. That's either done with blood or urine. We're not going to go down that road. That's totally the medical road. But if you do that, and, and, and let's just say you have aflatoxins, which is a mycotoxin. If you have that, we can do an EMA test in your home. And if it's done properly, we should find that aflatoxin in the sample. Because that mycotoxin's in your body, and now it's in your home. Now, on the flip side, we could do that test and not find it in your home. So then we go, well, is it at school? Is it at work? Correct. So it's a process of elimination. It's not done to to rule everything out 100%. Does that make sense? It does, but that's where the customization of care becomes so important because depending on who's in the household and who is most impacted will help you figure out whether your recommendation is, I mean, obviously you want to check the home because the home might be the source of the mycotoxins. Yeah, which brings up something that's very important. And I I say this to our listeners all the time. You shouldn't, and I'm going to say cannot, you cannot determine the, the air quality of a home if you do not do a proper inspection. Yes. You cannot even do an EMA test and come back and go, yep, everything's fine. You could you could do an EMA test and everything looks okay, meaning they didn't find any uh, mold species that are capable of producing mycotoxins, no mycotoxins. Then I could go do an inspection and actually find a mold infestation. All that means is, is that those mold types that are in that mold infestation or the mold colony, however you want to word it, they're not toxigenic molds. Correct. Which... Or they're they're not, or that mold colony isn't yet spewing out mycotoxins. That's true. Because we don't know what activates them spewing it out. Exactly. If we don't know what's activating them spewing it out, we don't know at what stage they actually would. Right. I I guess my point is, and, and, and as you know, our listeners know, like, I'm not a salesman. But I am saying to you, if you do not do an inspection, you cannot go do this EMA test by yourself. And then go, yep, we're good. Well, because like in our, when we're dealing with our bodies, every test is a piece of the whole. And without a full inspection, you don't understand the full picture. Exactly. And then on top of that, you know, this EMA test is exactly what the acronym is, mold and mycotoxins. We're, we're not testing anything else. And I'm very clear with our listeners, mold and mycotoxins, I always say mold. Mold is not the only indoor air quality concern you have in a home. Correct. You can have pollens, pet dander, bacterias, endotoxins, what they call it in the you know, science field of it. But the reason I want to emphasize it is, is, and I get it, like people are like, well, I don't have the money to hire an inspector. Well, can you go down the Emma Road? Of course you can. But if you go down the Emma Road and you come back to me, you know, let's just say we have the, the kit drop shipped to you. It's got the chain of custody with CNC contractor services on it. You send it off to the lab. We get the results back. Well, yeah, that'll give us some information. But on top of that, you're going to have to have an inspection. Like you can't come to me and 
and say, well, what do you think? It's only one piece of the puzzle. Correct. And and here's here's kind of the point of this entire episode. One, it's raising the awareness that it's not only important for you to be educated on mold, but you also need to understand that mycotoxins are important to be educated upon yeah. as well. Yep. Yeah. And it's, you know, a lot of people, like I said earlier, a lot of times I, I think the, the inspectors catch a lot of flack because they supposedly didn't catch it. Well, the inspector is only trained to do certain things. And in our standards as a certified mold inspector, it's not in our standards to do this type of testing. It's it's beyond our standards. Correct. So as I say to you all the time, it's like going to your GP and thinking that they're going to have the knowledge like your functional medicine doctor is going to have. And it's nothing against GPs, but your functional medicine doctor that's mold literate is probably going to know a lot more than your GP. Absolutely. That makes and, sense? and which also makes it important to go to a specialist, not a generalist when it comes to understanding what's going on in your home yep. as it relates to mold and mycotoxins. So given everything you've shared, introducing the mycotoxin topic, what it is and how it can actually impact the health of your home, what's the call to action for people? If they think that, you know, they're sick, but they can't find any mold, you know, maybe they should go down the mycotoxins road. Maybe there's something else in their environment. It could be heavy metals. It could be other things. They need to explore past mold. And just to kind of go back to defend the, the mold inspectors, you know, for the most part, they're only doing the simple test, the air test, the tape lift. They're, it's not their fault that, that you're not willing to pay for air testing and wall cavities or you don't want to pay for the Emma test or the Ermi test or whatever else. So keep that in mind, too. Well, and, and remember that you're the you're the keeper of your information and you're also the decider yep. of your future. Yep. So make sure that you're making the decisions that really will take care of the long term health of your family and of your home. Yep. And we have, you know, if if our listeners, you know, want to do the mycotoxin testing, we'll we're gonna be working on getting the website updated. But just reach out to me. We can have a kit drop shipped to you and you can, we'll send you a PayPal link to pay, do all that stuff. But keep in mind, Emma testing by itself, it is a great tool, but it's only one tool in our tool chest. Well, and also keep in mind that it's not just the test that matters, it's the interpretation of the results that matter more. Yeah. And that's where consultations and being able to work with an expert like you can be super helpful because, you know, I might look at, I might have a great device, but if I don't understand how to interpret what the device is telling me, exactly. then it's useless for me. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, they, they can go to our website and, and book consultations and we, we have plenty of services we offer. So for our listeners, they, there's no excuse like, well, I didn't know what to, to order. Well, and if you don't know what to order, just send us an email. Yeah. And we can help you figure it out really quickly. Yeah. And like I said, we're working on, you know, we got some digital packages we're going to be working on for specifically mycotoxins. There's there's a lot we're working on. It's just how it is, I guess, running a business. There's plenty to do 24-7. So Absolutely. Perfect. Well, I appreciate all you listeners. Uh, like I said, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Episode 246 and it was mycotoxins and black mold part one have a great day 
Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you go to our website at cnccontractorservices.com and sign up for the mold investigation checklist. Again, go to cnccontractorservices.com and get your free mold investigation checklist today. You can also on cnccontractorservices.com find out more about Steve's courses and books and consultations. Once again, go to cnccontractorservices.com.